Good morning, New Life Manitou. I'm Pastor Erica Kirkendall, Joe's wife. Would you please stand for the scripture reading this morning? It comes from Mark 16, verses 1 through 7. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they lay him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Remain standing as we pray. Lord, we hope for the resurrection for right now, for this life. And the life to come, Lord, that is our hope. Our hope and our trust is in you. And we pray in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God's people shouted, Amen. Amen. Hold on, stay standing. I'll let you sit in just a second. This is something we do around Easter. It's called the Paschal Greeting. And these are the very, 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 very first words I ever said at New Life Manitou. Three years ago, we were in town hall and we said this. And so say it with me if you know it. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ has risen. Amen. You may be seated. I have a message for you today. Spoiler alert. It's about uh, Jesus and him raising from the dead. Um, I, got, I get the privilege to travel. Uh, my, my parents who are here, uh, my dad was in the military. I grew up uh, in different places, got to live in Germany. I've traveled quite a bit. I've been to uh, Puerto Rico twice now. And this last time, uh, my wife and I and little Rowan were there. My wife found this statue that we just go, had to go see in downtown San Juan, Puerto Rico. And it's the statue of worshipers, like a, a procession of worshipers. It's called La Rogativa. And I'll tell you what it means in just a second. It's these people being led out and they're praising God and they're singing and they're dancing. And the story behind this monument that's in Puerto Rico is that uh, years and uh, years ago, 1700, ships came to take over the city of San Juan and they were doomed. Like these were warships, they're going to take over. And the people just plead to God. That's what the word La Rogotiva means. It means the plea, the asking, the crying out for help. And so people in the streets, they go out out and they just ask God, God, deliver us. All these ships are here. We're doomed. And they go out and they praise God and they sing to him. And guess what happens? These ships hear this noise and they misunderstood it as reinforcements have arrived. So they pick up anchor, they up the sails and they get out of there never to return. The enemy leaves because people worship. And so if you came in this morning and you're like, what's the fuss? Like, why are people singing? People are raising their hand. Somebody, his name is Josiah, brought a conch shell and he's, what the heck is going on in here? 
Well, we have seen the enemy flee. We have seen sin and death in our own life. We've seen it get the heck out of here. And that's what we're so excited about. That's what the fuss is about this morning. And so as we have prayed, as we have worshiped the Lord, let's open our hearts to this scripture. What I'm going to talk to you about today is like two wonderful for words. It is way too wonderful. I've been praying and thinking all this week, Lord, may the meditations of my mind, may the words of my lips be holy and pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. This sermon today has two points. The first one is hopefully kind of obvious that there is resurrection after death. The first point this morning is going to be the hope of resurrection in the afterlife And then the second point, we'll get to it in a minute, is that there is hope for life now. There's resurrection hope right now. So first, this first point, if you're taking notes, if you're the kind of person that likes to write things down, write down this, that the hope of resurrection in the afterlife. I want everybody to look me in the eyes. And I think this is, we all know this already, but we... Whether sooner or later, we're all going to die. Like, that's the, that's the big picture. That's the, the, you know, the, the thing that I think we'd all say, yeah, 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 we know. But, but we got lunch after this, man. Yeah, we know, we know. We know we're going to die. We know. Um, but, you know, the, the phrase, uh, let's eat and drink and be merry for today. And then tomorrow, we will die. And I think that's, that's how so many of us, me included, we live our lives. We get to, there's the phrase, you know, we can't see the forest because of the trees. Like we're in this life. We're doing things. We're busy. We're in our neighborhoods. We're in Manitou. We're, we're at our workplaces. We're school, whatever. We, we get wrapped up in things and we don't ever stop and get this bird's eye view of the beginning of life and the end of life. There's, there's people, some of you in here, praise God, that could say that no one near to you has ever passed away. Well, that, that's wonderful, but that, it's just going to be a matter of time. Like that, that's The sad reality is that we are all going to die, and yet there is hope in the afterlife. And Jesus proves that to us by what today is, the resurrection. Let me tell you a quick story. I have a friend who's going through some, just a horrible uh, time in his life, divorce and tragedy. And uh, him and I were sitting down and talking and he's really at a crux of, of spirituality and thinking and rethinking life. And uh, this was the time as a pastor, there's times where you just listen. It's not, it's not time for debate. It's not time to teach anything. It's not time to, it's just time to listen. And so I was listening to my friend and he was saying that, you know, his, his big hang up was no one's ever died. No one's ever died and come back from death. We really don't, no one really knows what happens. And I was just listening. I had an opportunity to pray for him. But next time we meet, I'm going to say, you know how you said that, that no one has ever died and then come back? Well, I have some really good news to, to tell you and to remind you that Jesus has died. He has died and he was fully dead. And then he rose again. Amen? Amen. You know, the religions of this world, some of them have uh, bits and glimmers of wonderful truths in them, but none of them are like Christianity in which the, the founder of the religion claimed to be God and then died 
and then rose again, proving to this world that he is who he said he was, that he was God. You can go uh, to Saudi Arabia and visit the grave of Muhammad. You can go to Illinois and visit the grave where Joseph Smith's remains are. You can go to central China where Confucius' uh, remains are. You can go to India and see where Buddha was uh, cremated. His remains are there. But if you go to Israel, David was just there, and you go to this grave where Jesus was buried, guess what? He's not there. His remains are not there. There's nothing in there. He has risen from the dead, proving to us that he was who he said he was. This was not just a resuscitation and then he would die later. No, he conquered death. He rose from the grave. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. And the story, the, the seemingly uh, some people might say, oh, th- this story is just, a, it's a nice story. It's a metaphor for, you know, there's a dark winter in all of our lives, but then spring comes, and isn't it just a nice metaphor? Well, yeah, it is, but it's, it's actually not, it's, it's more than that. This is, people were writing down history. Like, the, my wife read the names. There's like Mary, the, the mother of James, Mary Magdalene, and Salome. Like, why would you say the names? Why would you say whose mom it was? Like, why would you put these details in if this is just a grand metaphor and a narrative for something that's, that, that could happen? No, this did happen. And it's written down in such a way that, that these apostles, these holy men and the early church women were willing to die for this message that they were proclaiming. They were willing to go to, to be tortured because they knew it and they believed it to be true. And these are holy men and, and selfless people who would retell the stories of Jesus. These are not men and women who would be liars. These were eyewitnesses telling us exactly what happened. If you want to know what Christianity is all about, you want to know what the afterlife is all about, you want to know what God's all about, salvation is all about, we can make it to be really complicated, but really it's simple. A kid could understand it. Jesus is God. He came as one of us. He died and he's not there anymore. He was resurrected. That's the good news. That's all of truth in a nutshell. Let me get another amen. Amen. Point two is this. Point one was there's hope in the afterlife. We'll die, but as Christ rose, we will raise. Point two is this. The hope of resurrection for life. The hope of resurrection for life right now. We don't have to wait for cosmic Easter to, to experience this. We don't have to, definitely don't have to wait for this Sunday once a year to, to think about this. We don't have to wait for our own death to experience resurrection. We can experience it right here and right now. Jesus' story is a story like us. Like we, we go through life and we, we enter into death by, by our own sin. Jesus didn't sin, but we enter into death. Christ comes and he pays for our sins on the cross and then he is resurrected and we could be a part of this resurrection. Jesus, when he was living on earth, he did all these miracles wonderful miracles. Any one of them would be like, wow. And there's, there's something like 40 miracles. You could read every one of them in the gospels. He heals the sick. He's, he, he lays his hand. People didn't touch lepers back then. He bends down. He touches a leper. He heals a leper, giving this leper new life and resurrection. He calms the storms of our lives. He calms the storms, literally. He casts out demons that were tormenting people. He resuscitates certain people back to life so that they may live on this earth again. He reaches into our world, and it's by these miracles that we just say, 
That's what he did. He continually gave people life and resurrected people out of these situations. Have you heard this song? Uh, Those of you that that grew up in church would know it's like 100 years old. Uh, He walks with me and he talks with me. You know that. Raise your hand. Do you know that song? Raise your hand. Half of you know that song. The other half of you, you don't know. Whatever reason, you don't know it. And thanks for being here this morning. I was just thinking, you came to church and... Some of you are like, I I don't know what to wear. Thank you for being here. You look great. Some of you woke up today and are like, are are people going to be nice? Hopefully they were. If they weren't, come and tell me. I'll I'll be nice to you. (laughs) But thanks for being here. If if you're like, there's people in here that just need to hear this this morning. I think there's people in here that, that in some way, whether by the songs, maybe by what Brett said, or just coming in here, you have felt the reach of God. And, and some of you might think, I'm too far to reach back. And guess what? You're not. He, he, he's walking with you and he is talking with you. I think that song is, is I used to think that song is just about uh, when, when you're being a good boy or a, being a good, good girl and you're, you're walking in the ways that you should be, then there he is walking with you and talking with you. But that song is true no matter what. He's, he's walking with you. He's talking with you. Even if you think you're too far, you're not. He's right there. He's walking with you. He's talking with you. Let me tell you two stories of um, how this plays out in people's lives. I was given a wonderful um, responsibility in life. Uh, years ago, I was the college pastor. I'm looking around. I see some of you that from the mill. Anybody remember the mill? A couple hands. Um, that was the college ministry at New Life North. It was, it was a it was a circus. It was awesome. It was a crowd, and a crowd drew a crowd, so all these people would, would come just to see what the heck is going on, and uh, there was people that would come that were just really rough around the corners and the edges, and this, I remember this guy, and this kind of story happened a lot. This guy would come, and he would be like, man, this is, there's power here. This is awesome, and he would cuss, and he'd say, yeah, it's awesome, and uh, I, I invited him to a Bible study. He came. It was like 15 people, and it was the Bible study where we just opened scripture. We'd read a little bit. We would discuss it, just kind of a, a loose Bible study. And he would be cussing and talking about the Bible. And he said some things that were pretty derogatory towards women. And I pulled him aside and said, I'm glad you're here. Um, but you, you got you to gotta stop with the language. And he, and he truly he was like, oh, I, I didn't know. And I said, I love that you didn't know. I love that you're here. Keep coming. And a, a couple of weeks later, there was like this retreat. We went camping. It was like a camping trip. And he, he was just doing, he was trying to share, I think. Uh, so he brought a trunk full of alcohol and, uh, to a church <laughs> retreat. And, uh, and I pulled him aside and I said, um, I love that you're here. And he said, uh, yeah. <laughs> So there's, you know, there's a church thing, and there's underage people here. Uh, can, can, can you not? And he said, oh, I, I, I didn't know. I said, I love that you didn't know. <laughs> Thanks for being here. And, and he said, you know, after a couple more weeks, uh, he was like, this, this is true. Like, I really want to believe this, and I know it's true, and I want to give my life to Christ. And it was around Easter time, and we as the church, and we as New Life Church, have had a very, very long history of baptizing people around Easter. We do it the week after Easter, so next week, if you want to get baptized, my boy Ken is here. Where, where's Ken at? He's getting baptized. Maybe somebody else will be uh, getting baptized as well. And... Uh, uh, um, so my friend, the, uh, the, the guy that he didn't know, but I love that he didn't know. He, um, 
he said, I, w- I really want to get baptized. I want to give my life to Jesus, but, but I need to clean it up first. I, I, need to, I need to stop, I need to do this. I need to stop, you know, calling these girls. I need to stop drinking. I need to, I need to clean my life up first before I can get baptized. I need to clean my life up first before I can give it over to Christ. And I said, no, no, you don't. No, you don't. You, you come to Christ and he will clean you up get baptized, you're dead in the water, that's what the mystery is, that's what the symbol, you die in the water, you get clean, he cleanses you, and you're raised up, and, and you, you can't do it, for, you can't clean yourself up, come to Christ, and he will do it. Here's the second story, and this one's a lot closer to home, this is uh, Brian, our drummer, where's he at, oh, there he is, he's, he sits in this cage, because uh, he bites people, that's why he's... <laughs> Just kidding. If you don't know, it's a, it's a sound thing, and our tech team is always working on the sound and making things better. And uh, Brian, I asked Brian. He's I know his story from a while ago, and this week we met for what was that breakfast or something, coffee. And I said, "Can I share uh, your story?" He said, "If it helps anybody, I would love for you to share my story." And and, and he might be a little ashamed, but he's brave enough to let me share it. So. Um, it's been seven years, seven years sober, almost seven years. He's, um, praise God. Yeah. Amen. Um, he, uh, alcohol, drugs, and he, he specifically was a heroin addict, and he was homeless, and he had broken into some RV or somebody let you stay there, broken glass everywhere, a wasp nest in there. That was his home, and he would do anything just to, for the, the drug and to find it and to get money to get more, and that was his life. And the only thing, he says that there was rehab stuff and there was 12-step stuff, and those things are helpful. But he said the thing that got him out of it was seeing other people that had been free of those kinds of addictions and risen and resurrected by the grace and the power of Jesus. And that's true for any of us in here, that there is, no matter what you're going through, there is resurrection power here and now for us, that Jesus can do that for us. And it's like we know the ending already. We know... um, we know the end. I mean, spoiler alert, Jesus dies and then he doesn't stay there. He gets risen from the dead and that's the ending. It's like we can know that and then go back in our own lives and, and, and see that along the way. We can go back and reread the Gospels knowing the ending. It's like the, the movie uh, Sixth Sense. Have you seen this movie? It came out 20 years ago, half of my life ago. I know, I know. And I'm about to spoil it for you. A spoiler alert. Bruce Willis is dead. <laughs> gotcha. Oh, gee. You've had 20 years to watch it. Right, whatever. Um, but uh, this movie has like a crazy twist at the end. Uh, and, and people watch this movie, you watch it through one time, and, and you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. You get to the end, and you're like, whoa, I need to watch it again. And then you rewatch it knowing that Bruce Willis is dead. And you're like, whoa, that's so crazy. His wife and him are talking, but they weren't actually, she was talking through him because he's dead. Oh, my gosh. And so you watch the movie one time. The first time through, I mean, I was, I gotta be honest, I was totally surprised. It was like a, wow, it's a twist ending for me. And then immediately after, I was like, we gotta watch that again. I rewatched it. And, and the gospel message is the exact opposite. 
the exact opposite. He's not dead in the end. He's alive. And if we know that, like that, that's the twist ending here, that, that Jesus is alive and we go back through the gospels and we see like, oh, here's Jesus born and he's placed in a manger and these, these rough shepherds come out of who knows where and they come and they worship him. It's because he's God and he's alive. And that, like, we can know that knowing the ending. It's like, oh, he, there's that leper, and this, this leper is, is sick, and everyone just doesn't even want to look at him. You don't want to talk to him. You don't know back then how it's transmitted, so no one even goes next to him. And here's Jesus going up to him, bending down, touching this leper, and healing him. And you're like, now it all makes sense. That's God and he's alive. Or you think about the story of the woman who's had an issue of blood, and for some reason everybody knows about it, and it's just a horrible life, and she's considered unclean back then. For 12 years, it says, she uh, suffered from bleeding, and she knows there's something about Jesus. It turns out he's God, and he's alive, and she, she says, if I could just get up close to him. I mean, there's so many people around him, because everyone wanted to be with Jesus, and there was miracles, and he was teaching things that were crazy. He was saying things like he was God. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father. He's saying some insane things. People just wanted to be with him. And so this woman comes up and just tries to touch just, just his robe. It's like, if I could just touch this guy's pants, if I could just touch his clothes, I would be healed. And she does, and she's instantly healed, and Jesus stops everything. He says, who touched me? And his disciples say the obvious, like, what do you mean? There's a crowd of people. Everybody's touching you. And this woman's just over in the corner. She's been healed. Why? Because it's God and he's alive. When, when Jesus is in front of Pilate, Pilate's the king, the governor. He's got the, um, the power to, to send people to death. He could, he could oppose, uh, enact the death penalty. He's standing in front of Jesus, who is God, and he's alive. And Jesus has the power to give life. Pilate, Pontius Pilate has the power to give death. And Pontius Pilate, uh, with the people involved, screaming they want to crucify him, ends up just washing his hands and, and saying this statement, what is truth? What is it anyways? He just backs away from the deal. But the answer to that question is standing right in front of him. God and he's alive right in front of Pilate. Like we get to know that thinking and, and going back and rereading these stories. And this really happened. Like the, the story of Pilate for um, uh, years and years, it was just one of those things that there was no outside references to Jesus, or so sorry, to Pilate outside of the Bible and Christians and, and Jesus followers. And uh, it was just one of those things like, yeah, maybe, you know, someone could say they wouldn't be correct, but, but someone could say, yeah, the whole thing's just made, even Pilate, he's, he's, he's not even mentioned outside of Christian stuff. And then just a couple years ago, historically speaking, within some of our lifetimes ago, uh, uh, there was a stone found and it was like a repurposed stone. It used to be on a building for the dedication of this building and then the building kind of fell so they repurposed some stones and used it for a step and when people were archaeologically digging, they found this step and picked it up and guess what was on the other side? An inscription to a building, dedication, Pontius Pilate. Whoa! 
This is real. This has really happened. God truly became one of us. Jesus is God and he's alive. Would you stand up with me? The band can come forward. I um, think about this, this table that's up here. We're going to partake in communion. And I think about the great undoing of Genesis 3. Genesis 3 is this food that the people, like you and me, we take. Adam and Eve took from a tree they weren't supposed to and they ate it. And here is a meal being offered to us by Jesus. It says, remember me. This is my body it's my blood shed for you. Remember me. Remember Christ's death when you take, when you receive, excuse me, of this bread and of this cup. Would you bow your head with me? And I'm just going to reread what was already read, this story, and then Brett will lead us to the table. The women show up early in the morning and, and someone, one of them says, who's going to roll away? the stone from the entrance of the tomb. But when they had looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered, they go into the tomb. They saw a young man dressed in white. He's wearing a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him, just like 